eventually going to get to Luke chapter 19. Um, but even before you turn there, I just want you to know that in January 2022, we took on a, a project in Turkey to uh, plant a church, to help fund plant a church with, uh, at least in the Assemblies of God uh, denomination, the very first uh, Turkish pastor. There is, Istanbul is a real international city, and uh, they... Uh, uh, but now uh, they have their first Assembly of God Turkish pastor pastoring, in part because of your faithfulness in giving to missions and igniting change through missions. Well, this is kind of what uh, they're dealing with over there. And uh, they sent this video for us to be able to just get a sense of uh, some of the uh, tragedy that they have been uh, experiencing and working through. Uh, they don't know that there are still some areas where there could be still people under rubble. They don't know. Um, but uh, uh, in the midst of all the, uh, the travesty, there is the church who is making the love of Christ known in a very practical and real way. And so I just want to keep you updated there, say thank you to your faithfulness there as you ignite change there in your giving in the area of missions. Uh, take your Bibles, though, go to Luke chapter 19. Um, You'll notice when you came in today, not only were the little prayer things on your, but everybody had a little bit of, had a carabiner on their chair. That's what this is called, a little carabiner, right? This is, this is intended for you to take and have as a piece of remembrance of what we're going to talk about today, and I'll give it a little bit more of a reminder of that. Uh, but then uh, the other thing I want to do today, though, I, I'm going to give away uh, two of these um, pretty classy spy glasses. I was doing this earlier, and uh, someone said to me, "Is like in my inner pirate coming out," uh, and uh, uh, and so and and part of part of the way you will get somebody will win one of these is by texting an answer that I'll have a question to here in a little bit. So if you you can have your phones ready and unlocked and uh, and ready to text that eight one seven nine one three or eight one three nine one one three. A number with the answer, and I will, uh, of course, give very strict and stringent uh, rules as to how that will work when we get to that point. Chapter 19, starting in the first verse, says, he entered Jericho and was passing through. Okay, let me stop. Right there is uh, really comes back to our series connect that we have come back to every time I've preached about Jesus meets. And it's simply this, that Jesus meets and ministers at the speed of life. And so he's just, he's just passing through. He had, he had the scripture puts this out here because there was not an intention for him to do anything other than to pass through Jericho which I think is a good question for us, and I want to challenge you a little bit this morning uh, with a question. It's simply this. Um, how did you do this last week, ministering at the speed of life? The reality is, most people, it didn't even cross their mind. Most people were so focused on whatever they were focused about that the idea of igniting change uh, was something that just didn't really come up. But actually... If you're going to ignite change, it requires you to move through life with a sense of and with a, a reality of intentionality, where you're saying, I'm intentionally 
going to look for opportunities to minister even at the speed of my life. Now, this is difficult for most Christians. Uh, Most Christians have been uh, Christianized with the message that faith, your faith, uh, is something that is a tool to get something from God. And I, and I just want to get that out of the way right away, because you didn't become a Christian, you shouldn't have become a Christian to get something from God. Historically, people of faith were willing to give up the most precious things that they have to God. Now, that's just really countercultural in our day. And so as your pastor, and thank you for reelecting me, which is not, which by the way, I didn't wear a jacket last week because it was that day. And you say, some of you don't believe your own pastor. Just, I don't know. (laughs) But as your pastor, I am always going to challenge you to not be a spectator in life, but to engage the life of Jesus every day. Now, if I say it every day, every, every day, everywhere with everyone, that hopefully would get you to at least have enough little uh, pressure to at least start thinking about it. Because again, our life is such to where there are so many distractions, so many different places that our minds go, that it's easy to not live being intentional about ministering at the speed of life. And so Jesus, as he's passing through Jericho, it goes on and it says, And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. How many of you remember the Zacchaeus story from Sunday school when you were a little kid? What do you remember about Zacchaeus? You remember the song, We Little Man. Well, he's a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And if you knew him, you would have never said that about him because he was rich. It's funny how we hold our tongue when we think there might be stuff flowing our way. Anyway, that is none of my notes. And it goes on and says, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. When Jesus, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. What a different world where people just invite themselves over to other people's house. I don't know that I've ever done that. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all, or when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Has anybody ever said that about your friends? I hope so. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. 
And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give one of these away. You're not going to get it till the end because I'm not going to know who's in. But in this scripture, 10 verses, chapter 19, there is one important word. The word may be used once, it may be used multiple times. I'm not telling you that part. But the word is critical to this sermon. It's critical to you and I living and ministering at the speed of life. And so for the first person who can text me the word, don't send me the whole scripture, only one word, because I know some people will just say, well, it's in there, just, you know, I say, I got it to you. The one word and the correct word will win. And for those of you that think, well, I'm just going to send each one, you only get two tries. So Jesus, he's, he's walking through Jericho, and there are crowds of people around him, right? And Zacchaeus looks and sees that he's unable to get a glimpse at Jesus, so he literally runs up and he climbs a tree. You could say that he was branching out to get a better look at Jesus. I wasn't looking for an amen, just a groan. Because he was seeking to what? He was seeking to see Jesus. And so Jesus, he sees Zacchaeus up there and he calls him by name. You ever wonder how Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name? I want you to understand that if, if, if in your thought process at this moment was this, well, he was God, you're completely wrong in your assertion. If you believe that Jesus just walked up and automatically knew that it was his name uh, because uh, he, he pulled out his God drawer and went, Psh. it's not the way Jesus operated. Now, here's a man who was very well known in Jericho and the surrounding areas because he wasn't just a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. Now, in our society, you don't necessarily, does anybody here know any tax collectors? Has any of you been visited by a tax collector? I have. It was not fun. But this was the boss of all the tax collectors. And he was a guy that was known to take money from his own people and give it to the opposition party, to the Romans. And so he was a very well-known man, which makes it interesting that he would go climb up into a tree because that would have been, that would have been very degrading to, to him and his position. But Jesus looks up to him and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm staying at your house tonight. And so what the, the story unfolds is that because of this interaction, because Jesus ministered at the speed of his life and while just passing through Jericho, ends up having this interaction with Zacchaeus, we see an incredible faith transformation. And that 
is what we're going for. We're going for transformation based on faith. So I need a volunteer. Come on. If we're late, you can't blame me for preaching too long. <laughs> You're going to end up with one of these. It's very simple. Okay, Georgina, come on up here. <laughs> I'm looking for Avis because he's part of my, my thing here. So, Georgina, um, what we're going to do is out here, you, you can't have this one. This one's for later. But... What I have right now is out here. I'm just going to look out, to the, out here because, again, there's a crowd of people, okay? Out here, somebody has this nice little spyglass for you. Go ahead. Thank you. That's it. That's all. When I ask you to volunteer, it's never tough. It's a bunch of chickens. But I did this to illustrate the main point. And, and you got to get this. You've got to get this. You may never have heard this before. But what is illustrated in this scripture is simply this. Aaron, make sure you get that on the screen here. When a seeker meets a seeker, salvation happens. She took, with just the word that it's, someone's got that out there for you, but Avis went and found her. In this story, there are two seekers, not one. And in our life, oftentimes there's only one seeker. It's the person getting up in the tree. And what so oftentimes happen, happens is that, that salvation in that moment is missed because we're really not ministering at the speed of life. We're just passing by. Don't try to do the number, but how many people did you just pass by this week? He passed by, I was passing by a whole big crowd, but there was one. There was one in particular that was important. And Jesus came to seek and to save those that are lost. Zacchaeus was seeking to see Jesus. You may not think this way, I, I at times do, but I really believe for me, when I get to heaven, there's going to be a dreadful moment. And the dreadful moment for me is simply that, look, I know some of you are going, what? No, when, when, heaven, when I get to heaven, every tear is going to be wiped away and it's all going to be wonderful and it is going to be so much greater than we can imagine here. But if, don't assume that you're going to get up there and not have regret. I know that for me, when I think about that, that there are going to be people that are in heaven. They're there because someone else didn't just pass by them. The salvation of other people's lives are not in my hands. That's in Jesus' hand. But all of us have the same opportunity 
to minister at the speed of life in such a way that we don't just pass by people. Whether it's passing by people at the QT when you stop and you get a coffee in the morning, how easy it is to not even look the person asking you if you want a receipt in the eye, or it's a person that you regularly see when you go to your favorite restaurant, whatever it might be, we pass by people all the time. And so for me, I always want to be growing in my ability to ignite change. And so there are times that you may, again, may not do this. I get a little irritated with the Lord saying, Lord, I never see a seeker. It's just like all the only thing ever I can see is, you know, just people who are angry and people who are opinionated and whatever else. Zacchaeus, of course, chief tax collector, but the folklore of Zacchaeus was that he was good at playing hide and seek because he always found a good tax shelter. Just listening for the groans in those moments. But that's the way you feel about seekers. Boy, they're awful good at playing hide and seek, Lord. Couldn't you just have one up in a tree when I go by? Well, if they are in a tree when they go by here in Texas, you know it's because of the storm that just went through. But, but hopefully you're at least at now going, okay, I want to move there. And so I want to I talk about how we grow into this because this, this just doesn't happen uh, you know, randomly. Uh, and so in our growth, it's, it starts with us being mindful of the mission. Jesus came to do what? To seek and save. And so, and where is he at physically at this moment right now? He's at the right hand of the Father in heaven, wherever that is, up there, around there, I don't, whatever realm that, whatever that looks like. And so he seeks and saves through who? I've given you the answer a couple times. That would be us, right? He seeks people out through us. And so as he is mindful of the mission, as he's passing through Jericho, we now have to become mindful of the mission. And so it's a little bit like thinking about like, like this, is now I'm going to understand that I'm going to live a life on mission. That means that you, you live in a mission wherever God has placed you. Some of you, God has placed, you know, he's placed us all in Texas. He's placed us in the DFW area. If you're watching online, wherever he placed you, he, he may have placed you in the nicest part of town. He may have placed you in the worst part of town. He may have placed you with big family, lots of friends. He may have placed you with little family, no family, no friends. But he's placed you. And when you understand that he's placed you, then you recognize, okay, God, the place that you have me. Now watch this. You're spending more time trying to get out of the place that he's placed you than ministering in the place that he has you. Because that's what our culture does. Our culture says you need to, you need to make the next how much money. You need to get the next promotion. You need to be able to buy the next house. You need to be able to have the next car. Whatever it might be, we're always the next, the next, the next, the next. And you miss that you're in a mission field where God has placed you today. Now, 
That's the first thing to remember with this. Okay, you can just pull this up real quick. Just play with it a minute. I want you to get used to it. But this is going to remind you that you're going to live life on mission. Because Christianity is not just a sphere of life, but it's the very atmosphere of life. It, it, Christianity, it's not, it's not just to be a section of life, but it literally is an influence that pervades the whole influence of life. And so you have to understand that the moment you said yes to, to Jesus, the moment that in Jesus' words, salvation came to your house, there's a reason you weren't raptured. Because if, if, if the goal was just to get to heaven, then either you would have been raptured or immediately struck by a bus or whatever. But we're here for a reason. We're not just, we're not just, just you know, lollygagging through life, right? There's a reason we're here. And that reason is, is that there is a mission for us. And so as missionaries, and, and this is the crazy thing about it, when you start living life on mission, it's not a pressure it's not an anxiety. It actually takes your joy meter and really starts to, to raise it up pretty high. Because now what's happening is you're incorporating the gospel message into every area, every nook, every cranny of your life and how it's expressed. So years ago, after my mom had a heart attack, uh, I was laying on the floor, just relaxing. I wasn't, you know, just... and. You know, if somebody close to you has had a heart attack and almost died, you start thinking about your heart a little bit more. And I was just feeling my heart in my body on the floor. And I, and I kind of went, you know what? I better join a gym and take care of this thing. And so that's what I did. And, oh, Jesus, there's nothing more boring than lifting weights. But I'm there. You can tell I kept up with it. And as I'm doing this, I got my headphones on, not thinking that this little gym in the middle of this little town in Sholo in this small little state of Arizona was intended to be a mission field for me. And I felt God so clear. I even know what I was doing, and I'm doing that thing where you pull the thing down. Can you just see the joy all over my face? I... Because I think it, it, it illustrates a lot of us. We're in the middle of the mission field, and what we're doing is not bringing us any joy. And the Lord says, when are you going to use this gym for my glory? Uh, now, I didn't actually do this out loud. Besides, I'm an introvert, so I can do it in my head. I said, now, Lord? Big old question mark. And he said, okay. I want you to go ask that guy to teach you to play that sport. And in that racquetball court was a guy that was just using his hands. Throwing the ball. And I got introduced to a whole group of people that some neither knew nor cared. Some, the guy that actually taught me to, most of the time I was with him, was always antagonistic towards the gospel. I can only think of two times over a, over a you know, 15-year period, 13, 15-year period, where he ever became semi-soft to the gospel. But we had guys that would drive up from Phoenix, and, and there was a firefighter that drove up from Phoenix, and he just happened to be a seeker, and he met somebody who was a seeker. And salvation came to his house. Because it doesn't matter if you're doing a sport or you're doing work or you're doing whatever, when you recognize that, that there is a mission field and I need to be mindful of it, 
then I'm going to start looking. I think that if you, for our small group leaders, our life group leaders, this is why constantly bringing up, how's your mission field? What's your, what was your mission field like this week? Oh, I didn't even realize I was on one. Well, you talk about that because it, because it becomes more to your mind more and more and more. But then we need to be mindful about not just the, the mission, but the actual mission field. What is the mission field? Well, the mission field is people. And that's why when you hear us talk about our circle of influence, we put so much weight on the circle of influence. The people that God is in, in theological terms providentially placed around you as your mission field, they're what is important. That's why we put the weight on that. And so just like, now get this, just like there was a whole crowd around Jesus, there are whole crowds around all of us. And the crowds can be anything from family members to people we just casually meet now and then. But when you understand that the people are the mission field, that they're the ones that are the important thing, then all of a sudden, you start to look at it a little bit differently. I mean, from, we've all met people like Zacchaeus, not necessarily the, the business he was in, but you know the scripture says that he was sinful. He was morally lost. How many of you know morally lost people? How many of you people know, how do you know people who are intellectually lost? And by intellectually lost, I'm not telling you they're dumb. I'm saying they're intellectually lost because they don't know Jesus. They don't even know about, some people know about Jesus. There are people, and I think this is, this is in, the, in the Bible Belt, this is critical. That when we're mindful of the mission field, which is the people we recognize like Zacchaeus, there are people who are socially lost. They are not connected in a growing relationship with anyone spiritually. Now, I think that one of the reasons that the uh, writer Luke brings out the man's height, his stature, is that the world is always filled with people who are being overlooked. And we don't ever want to be caught up in the place where we are overlooking people who are in our life. Because if we do, we'll just pass them by. But I want to take just a moment more and talk about the being mindful of the mission fruit. Because I think that in our day of, you know, of attempted accomplishments and all the things that, you know, we got to get this person across the line, we got to do this, we got to do that. You know, if, 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 if you can't answer this question, I think it's good for you to take a step back and reevaluate everything. What is our ultimate goal? Believe it or not, our ultimate goal is not to see a person get saved. Our ultimate goal is not to build a church. Our ultimate goal isn't even to do good for others. And all of those things are good. But our ultimate goal is to glorify God. And there's only one way to glorify God. And that is to be in Christ Jesus. No other way. And so anyone who is not in Christ Jesus, I'm going to be trying to help them get that way. Because when they're in Christ Jesus, they are glorifying God. And what you find here that's very interesting in this scripture is that Jesus, he has this interactions with him. He doesn't say to him, uh, here's what you need to do. You need to pray the sinner's prayer. How many of you really believe that's what you got to do to get people saved? Just get them to pray the sinner's prayer. Boom, we got them. Yeah, yeah. I got 15 people this morning to pray that prayer. 
and they are still morally lost. They're still uh, intellectually lost. They're still, uh, still really not even socially lost. They may have had a good feeling, but here's what so often happens is we put such a great emphasis about a person walking across some imaginary line. We immediately tell them, you're in, you're out. You're in, you're out. You ever do that spiritual dance? If this is your idea of Christianity, listen, this is tough. Today you're in, tomorrow you might be out. I grew up with that. I grew up with don't be doing the wrong thing when Jesus comes back. Now, where's all the weight of that salvation? It's on you. It's on me. The weight of salvation is on him. And so Jesus, he just says, I love it. He says, oh, salvation has come to your house. And here's what happened. He believed those words. And when he believed those words, he said, now watch this. He said, behold. Jesus, you can't see my heart, but behold this. Now, you want to talk about a reformed tax code? The guy gives away half of his money. Because really, faith historically is not about what you can get from God. Faith is about, listen, that which is most precious to me, I'm going to give to you, Lord. I like the way Hudson Taylor said, if Christ is not Lord um, of all, then he's not Lord at all. And so it's always good for us to take a step back and say, okay, what am I putting the most importance on in my life? And if the most important thing that you're putting on is Jesus, great. Don't let anybody else tell you. Jesus didn't say, now you got to go give half. In fact, what you find is in the previous chapter, I believe it is, Jesus comes across the rich young ruler and Jesus tells him to do it. And he can't do it because he never believed. It's about belief. Belief will change a behavior. That's what you look for. Faith that changes something. Look for the faith. When you start looking for the faith, then you're looking for the right kind of fruit. Don't look for the outcome. Don't look. Listen, what I liked about, what I liked about this whole story is Jesus doesn't come along and say, now it's time for you to stop, stop voting for that party. Now it's time for you to leave your job and go get a different one. He doesn't do that. Jesus just says, I recognize there's belief here, and that's what I'm going to focus in on. So what does that look like day by day? Let's just kind of walk through here. They already have it up. So the look. So you have to start looking, right? That's why the spyglass becomes important. Because the now you're saying, I'm going to have an eye looking out for something specific. Now I'm going to start looking for that which I am going after. I really thought about getting a, some of you will really wish I did this, but it will only be about five of you. I was going to get a scope for a gun to give away. Yeah, see, I knew there'd be a number like it. But here's the thing. A deer, an elk, they're not coming to your front door to get shot. Right? For, for the fishermen and women in the room, they don't come up to your boat and say, catch me. You actually have to seek them out. You have to go after them. And so there has to be this idea of looking. Now I'm going to start looking around. So now when tomorrow when you go to QT to get your coffee, look at that person different. Walk away and say, Jesus, help me recognize what you're doing in their life. It helped me to see that. 
Because if you do that enough, that while there's a crowd around you, there's eventually going to be a one. One that you'll say something to, and, and all of a sudden, and here's what here's will happen. Just like at the beginning of chapter 19, in verse, at the beginning of that second sentence, that same word came up, behold. The Holy Spirit will say, behold that person. Behold that person. Behold that person. And the Spirit will begin to show you what he is doing in a person's life. could look a lot of different ways. could be all of a sudden you start recognizing that there's a person. I talked to a person this week, and I just kept thinking in my head, going, Lord, man, this person really has a desire to do good. That's a seeker. Now, I don't know enough about them to know all the areas that they may or may not be good. Good is like this. There's only one really good, and that's Jesus. But there are people that all of a sudden that maybe, maybe you are casually hearing a conversation and they're talking about a podcast or a YouTube video about some miracle or even when it comes to UFOs. Do you know that the funny thing about Americans is, you know, we're the only country in the world fixated on UFOs. Really, the rest of the world really don't care. I would think if, if Africans in the bush were focused on UFOs, that would get my attention. But if someone's focused on UFOs, they're just saying, I'm interested in seeking out something otherworldly. Oh, we can talk to you about that. But we have to be looking. And so it's one thing to look, though. But then you have to love. You have to really love people. No one loved the tax collectors. Certainly no one loved the chief tax collectors. It's hard to imagine people in our lives who just make our lives more difficult. And it's those people that we least think would become a Christian. It's the, it, Zacchaeus was the person that the whole crowd didn't even really focus in on because he was that guy. And that guy makes everybody's life more difficult. But if you're going to love, there always in any kind of love requires a bit of sacrifice. I mean, I know the Jesus would never ask us to love our enemies. But when you, when you begin to love those that are the most difficult, all of a sudden, Everybody else is passing them by, but you stopped. You took notice. You demonstrated. And when you do that, there's going to come a moment where they're just totally confused by your behavior. How and why can you love me like that? And there is no shortage of unloved people in our midst. But I think for me, it always comes back to, Lord, um, I have to have your love because I can't generate it on my own. So I have to have your ability to see, and I have to have your ability to love. Now watch this. this. Pick this back up again. If you start looking and you'll authentically love, then you're going to start linking with some people. 
Jesus is passing through, but he looks, and because he loves, he says, I'm going to link with that guy. I'm going to make sure that I am fully connected to him. So salvation might come to his house. As believers, when we're looking and we're loving, we are then linking. I'm going to, I am, as a, and if I can do this as an introvert, you extroverts should be able to really do this. Insert yourself into people's lives. The reason they say that 67%, I think was the, the statistic that I read this week, 67% of Christians think that, that spiritual conversations and spiritual moments are just completely random. As opposed to living in ten, in, with an intentional life that says I'm on a mission. And I have a mission field. And there's a fruit that I'm going after. Where a person will believe and place their trust in Jesus so that salvation might come to their home. And so as you know that as life group leaders, we're always saying, oh, what's the Lord doing? You need to talk about that in your life group. Why? Because you, when you talk about it all the time, you find that the Lord is linking you to people. All of a sudden, you have, you have a care and a compassion for somebody that's just not normal nor natural because the Lord's linking you in a certain way. You find that now, Lord, I don't know, I don't know why there's this care. I had a situation, I, since I've been unable to play handball for a year and a half now, I try to find different things. And so golf, I meet people golfing. So I have the ministry of golf. I do. Every time I go golfing, I'm saying, Lord, this is a mission field. And so I'm golfing and, and, I, and I got stuck with this guy and his kid and and, uh, and I, I was fine with that, and I was patient, and, uh, and he actually just had this kind of, you ever just meet people, they just don't want you around? So I left. I went on ahead, and I, and I inserted myself in another group. And they were all Burmanese, speaking a different language. And so the guy, I, I looked at him, I, I said, uh, he told me his name, his name was Singh, and I, and I, I just, I was hoping he was just South Korean. <laughs> I said, are you, are you Korean? No, Burmanese. I said, oh, that's a hard country to be from. And he looks at me and he goes, and walks away. He doesn't say anything. He didn't nod. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. I'm like, oh, great. What did I just do? But from that moment on, he started looking for my golf ball. He started, I was walking. They were all, they were all writing. He would wait for me to catch up. And then he would come close just so we could get into a conversation. So I would find out he had been here for eight years. He got married a year ago. He used to be a, a chef that did sushi. Now he's a truck driver. And, uh, and I could only play nine holes, and I had to go. But uh, I went back to my truck. He actually went back to his car, which was parked right next to my truck. Do you think these things are accidental? I don't think so. Now, what's interesting about this, normally I would have got his phone number and said, hey, let's sing. But I knew, I said, when do you golf, da, da, da. Uh, and I just said, okay, Lord, I, that, for whatever reason, I actually tried to work in a couple spiritual conversations, didn't actually get anywhere with it. But there was something there. The Holy Spirit was saying, behold, look at this. There's, there's something here. 
And so what do I do? I just say, okay, Lord, now you've got to, you have to orchestrate that. You've got to put him in whatever tree so I can say, there's the one. Salvation's now coming to your house. I think that's where he wants us. I think he wants us to live looking, loving, and then linking people. Because there are a lot of people seeking Jesus, but there are not a lot of people out there seeking those who are seeking. And so can we just pray and ask the Lord to help us to live life on mission? Lord, oh, thank you, Lord, that you came to seek and save that which is lost. Lord, every person that is a believer here today is a believer because you sought them out, and you sought them out in all likelihood, maybe not 100% of the cases, but in all likelihood through someone else. And Lord, would you send us? In fact, would you say to the Lord, Lord, send me in my mission field, in my world, in the place that you have me doing life, Lord, uh, may I become mindful that, I'm, that there is a mission and that there's a mission field and there's fruit of that mission. And I want to live uh, really just looking and loving and linking people to you. And so, Lord, do that by the power of your Holy Spirit. For you said you would pour out your spirit in these last days so that, that Lord, we might be witnesses. And so let us be those witnesses in this generation, in this day, in Jesus' name. If you pray that any place, say prayer. Say amen. And, I, and here's the thing. The commitment is, if you believe it, there's going to be an expression of it. So I, I kind of, I, I did, Lord, remind me of this. Some of you, the Lord's saying, I want you to take this carabiner and this week just wear it on your belt buckle or wear it on your purse as a reminder that everywhere you're going, that's a mission. And there's a mission field. And then he's going to show some fruit to you in the place of faith. Amen? Okay, well, let's sing one more song together and we'll close in prayer. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.